We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. This crusade, this war on terrorism, uh, is going to take a while. He came, he saw, he died. <laughs> we tortured some folks. All right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is episode 13 of Dave versus Goliath. And boy, oh boy, is it your unlucky day. But before we get to that, some sponsors. First up, we have Anthem Planning. Anthem Planning is dedicated to helping growing businesses become more efficient in every way. From helping you manage your inventory or fleet to completely revamping IT systems or HR procedures, Anthem is ready to guide you through the process. If you find yourself wondering where to take your business next or how to solve a problem that's been costing you money, Anthem is here to help. Next up, RyanBunting.com. Ryan Bunting is a quality human being, a tremendous graphic designer, and author, please purchase his book, Project Manticore, on Amazon.com. Uh, support him in any way you can. Please support this show by going to Dave versus Goliath on Teespring.com and purchase our hoodies, t-shirts, fanny packs, and goodies. And lastly, go to WheeliesPharmacy.com. That's Wheelies, W-H-E-E-L-Y-S-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y.com. For incredible CBD products, tinctures, capsules, lotions, and teas. Uh, for all kinds of ailments from chronic pain, depression, anxiety, uh, sleep issues, and more. All right, guys. Today, I think it's appropriate we spend some time talking about 9-11, which I get is not everybody's favorite subject. I have spent a considerable amount of time talking about this in my life and a little bit on this show. Uh, and we just passed the 20-year mark on, uh, on the event. So we are going to spend some time uh, letting this out. I need to talk about it. I feel like maybe I should be over this. Maybe I should have processed it by now. But here we are. But I couldn't do it by myself. So... As per usual, I have got with me my main man, Dan. Dan, what's happening, bro? Oh, man, good to see you. Good to see you too, bro. Um, yeah, I, without you here, I would just be a morose motherfucker sinking into my own black pilledness. So I appreciate yeah, you. Are you mad, being... bro? <laughs> yeah, I'm mad. I'm an angry white male. I've been fucking pissed for 20 years. They stole my youth. I'm 40 years old. This was, I was 20 when this happened. And I'm still fucking pissed about it. Yes. I remember you trying to shake me 20 years ago. You know, bro, <laughs> look what they did. You know? Yeah. <laughs> look what they've done. We've got yeah. to do something. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. And, you know, 20 years in, 
I got to say, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm about ready. I, I put it on Twitter. I, it was a picture of Forrest Gump at the end of his like cross country trek where he's just like, you know, I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was basically like, yeah, um, I've been talking about this for 20 years. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm ready to stop talking about 9-11 now. But today will be some closure. But, but one more day. One more day. <laughs> and, you know, I don't need to bother you with the minutiae of the details. We don't need to talk about the $2.3 trillion that Rumsfeld mentioned the day before the poof Houdini. In the aftermath of that, what, what do we get? We got the TSA. We got the, the formation of the Department of Homeland Security and all kinds of draconian laws that they just couldn't wait to put into place and just needed the proper impetus well, for. The AUMF three days later. Right. Which is responsible for all this mess. What was it, 19 countries since then? Right. This was the declaration that they basically said they gave George Bush the power, right? Correct. To do, to do whatever he needed in the name of national security if he thought that it was connected to the events of 9-11. Connected. Right. Which was the, the key phrase, I think, in there. So it was those held responsible or anyone else that we think might have been in any way, shape, or form anywhere in the world. There was only one, one uh, House member. That's it. Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee. I yeah. don't know if you remember that one. It was like 420-some to one. It passed unanimously through the Senate. Um, she's still around. She's still a representative from, from California. Really? Yeah. Amazing. And I wonder what was behind that because I'd see her pop up every once in a while. And she's, I mean... She's woke as fuck. She's pretty terrible on just about everything. So, um, you know, which is a shame because yeah. I figured that person, you know, yeah, would have some kind of moral compass on most oh. things. But um, yeah, I wonder what that was about. Well, that's another travesty of this whole thing was the destruction of the anti-war left. It's because, I mean, that's when I was coming up, that was George Bush was the enemy. So the right wing was the enemy. So anything good was coming out of the left. Up until mm -hmm. Ron Paul, Dennis Kucinich or Ralph Nader, any anti-war voice was coming out of the left at that point. Um, Cynthia McKinney, who's, who's really great. The question was, we had four war games going on on September 11th. And the question that I tried to pose before the uh, secretary had to go to lunch was um, whether or not the activities of the four war games going on on September 11th actually impaired our ability to, to respond to the attacks. The answer to the question is no, did not impair our response. In fact, uh, General Eberhardt, who was in the commander of North American Aerospace Defense Command, as he testified in front of the 9-11 Commission, I believe, I believe he told them that it enhanced our ability to respond. There were two CPXs. There was one Department of Justice exercise that didn't have anything to do with the, the other three. And there was an actual operation ongoing because there was some Russian bomber activity up near Alaska. So, did the war games ultimately help or hinder our response? September 11th was day two of Vigilant Guardian an exercise staged by the Joint Chiefs and NORAD, which simulated hijacked planes in the northeastern United States. Vigilant Guardian is a branch of Global Guardian, a mass Armageddon exercise being conducted at Offutt Air Force Base in cooperation with NORAD. Originally scheduled to take place in late October, Global Guardian was moved to September. The exercise is reportedly canceled after the second Twin Tower is hit, 
Three E-4B doomsday planes remain airborne. Two government sources familiar with the incident tell CNN it was a military aircraft. They say the details are classified. This comparison of the CNN video and an official Air Force photo suggests the mystery plane is among the military's most sensitive aircraft, an Air Force E-4B. The E-4B is a state-of-the-art flying command post, built and equipped for one reason, to keep the government running no matter what, even in the event of a nuclear war. Ask the Pentagon, and it insists this is not a military aircraft, and there is no mention of it in the official report of the 9-11 Commission. The Pentagon, the Secret Service, and the FAA all say they, at least for public consumption, have no explanation of the giant plane over the president's house, just as the smoke began to rise across the river at the Pentagon. There's an emergency, and then the state capitalizes on the emergency and the panic and the fear, and the in the immediate aftermath to do what they need to do. We can't talk about this. There's no time for debate. You have to pass the X, Y, and Z. It sounds a lot like something that's happening right now. Right. We need $6 trillion right now. We can't talk about why or where it's going to. You just got to trust us. (laughs) We need this money. It's always a, a massive expansion of the surveillance state, too. I mean, but the before time and the after time, speaking about 9-1 or 9-11 is, um, I mean, surveillance, cameras. I mean, I know that technology was coming out, but they were everywhere after that. You know, right. you were watched everywhere you went after that. And now it's kind of the same thing. I feel like with COVID too, it's like, that's not enough. So now they want passports. Now they want yeah. tracking devices on your phone. So it's always an expansion of, you know, the spying apparatus. Totally, man. And, you know, if anybody... Uh, I know I'm not alone in this, but this, what we're experiencing now is a continuation of the new world order, which is always changing every 10 to 20 years. But you could not have what we have right now if they didn't lay the groundwork with 9-11, if they didn't spend that money initially, get all that military surplus, right, to build this domestic army. That is, all this military equipment that just got passed on to local sheriff's departments. Now they paint it black, and now they got your local police force has a tank. And the Taliban. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and now look, as it's, as it's 20 years later been turned inward, just as everybody in 2005, 2006 who was awake to this knew would one day happen. You know what, man? I don't like to use words like love and hate. I don't, th- I don't throw those around. But I fucking hate George Bush so much. So much in my heart. I got to let it out. So this is, that's, mm-hmm. that's what this show is about today. This is cathartic. I fucking hate George Bush. I hate what he's done to this country. I hate how he can get on a screen and lie to people 20 years later. Like this, is, I'm not saying like Bush did 9-11. But at the end of the day, the Bush regime is responsible for every single thing that happened on the day of. And like Scott Horton recently said, man, set this whole millennium on the wrong foot the whole thing so fuck george bush fuck him fuck his whole lineage fuck barbara fuck hw and his whole family and he gets up on tv and has the balls dude as a nation our adjustments have been profound many americans struggled to understand why an enemy would hate us with such zeal the security measures incorporated into our lives are both sources of comfort and reminders of our vulnerability. 
And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. It's here and abroad, and we got to watch it wherever it is. Like, you son of a bitch, you set this into motion. You sent the bravest men and women that we have off to fight a banker's war. Fuck you. Oh, I feel better. Already I feel good. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> Damn. Seriously. Yeah, I haven't heard that guy speak in a long time, and it was like, it was, it was like he would have said that 20 years ago. There was nothing different about it. No. Oh, on some axis of evil shit. Just is there it was that for the was that for the boomers who still want to hear that from him? Are there I, any left? Dude, I see. <laughs> there definitely is, because I see. And I don't think like neocon culture is thriving, but you know, people I've seen on Twitter, they'll, they'll see him like give a speech like that. And they'll be like, man, remember when like the office had dignity, <laughs> it's like motherfucker it was on his watch. Like he, fa- and again, we don't need to have conspiracy theory hour here on his watch. America was attacked. The terrorists, whoever they were, were successful on his watch and Dick Cheney's watch. And he fucked up. He has one job. Protect the American people. Uphold the Constitution. You fucked up royally both times. And who was fired? Oh, I'm not even talking about for criminal right? um, uh, participation. Just cri- just negligence. How about that? But yeah. we're not going to. Well, like that. Scott Horton says, too, for those of you who think that Dick Cheney did it, he might as well have. He might as well have. That's what I'm saying. Again, Yes. The actions taken by Dick Cheney are just so disgusting. So, yeah, it's it's barely even worth debating. Oh, I wonder if he had knowledge. I wonder if he didn't. Because, yeah, what like what's what would be the difference in the outcome? Right. Probably not a whole lot. Shit, man. I really do hate these people. And I, again, I don't throw that around. But if you ruin like a a century kickoff. You know, things were pretty great in 1999, 2000. Not to sound ignorant, because I know that we were ignorant to some things that were really happening, you know, Clinton's presidency and whatnot. But it was it was Bush, man. It was those guys who just really took the timeline and skewed it into this alternate existence, probably forever. And nobody since then had the balls to do anything about it. None of the other administrations. No. And I thought, you know, dude, I'm just... I'm a work in progress. I thought, you know, maybe Barack Obama coming coming in in 2007. Yeah. I was like, wow, I, I can't, I can't imagine that they would let a black man be president. This guy might be at an actual threat to the establishment. And, and he, he ran on, forward. he ran on closing Guantanamo, close Guantanamo, which at the time I thought was right. great. Right. He started the kind of like you know like lock her up thing, except it was with like Bush. Like he was feeding <laughs> into that a little bit. Like I'm going to bring you guys some justice. That's how they do it. Then you bring in Citibank and hire all those guys to fill your cabinet. Yeah, it was supposed to end. Wasn't it? uh, When was he in? 
there was something, was it like 2014 or something like that? It was supposed to be, we're getting out of there. It was supposed to be like a surge on a time crunch. If you remember that, I think it was like yeah. 12 months or something like that. Big surge going to be gone by the end of the year. Um, I think we surged, but then didn't unsurge. Right. Oh yeah. So you send in 30,000 people and just kind of like leave them there and eh, let them meander the around. <laughs> It's lies on based on top of lies on top of lies on top of lies. People have asked me like since Afghanistan wars like coming to a close, like what do you think about that? And like I don't even care to like make a guess, like because it's it's just so many decades of lies. So like how the I don't know. I really don't know. It's, you know, I'd, I'd make more <laughs> clear guesses about what happened on nine eleven. Than, than what's actually going down in Afghanistan. I have no fucking clue what's going down in Afghanistan. And I think that they're, you know, they have this emergency power to use, what is it? Authorized emergency military force, whatever that AUMF was. And at the exact same time as withdrawing troops and ending the war in Afghanistan, we have to talk about domestic terrorism and bringing it in abroad because that's, that's an emergency. Right. You know what I mean? They're never going to let it go. No. They are. And you know what? And just keeping up with the trend of disappointment, Tulsi Gabbard just put out an awful tweet. It was, uh, it was on. Did it. you see it? Yes. On 9-11. Let us not forget. I'm not going to try and paraphrase, but she basically was like, don't forget why we had a 9-11 because of this awful Islamic ideology that can just, you know, radicalize and all this bullshit. It was again, it was like, who fucking wrote? Did Dick Cheney write this? Right. What is this? Again, this is how the cathedral operates and this is tulsi gabbard and i hate to like think this but she is like a rebranding for the war machine so she's very careful with her words she's not like she's not scott horton she's not anti-intervention she's not anti-war she's anti-regime change wars or anti-stupid wars like i don't want to fight you know i want to be tactical like tactical and smart how i murder people around around the world um <laughs> you know it's just it's not the same thing she yeah. just put out something well, that's what she said i was sorry i was going for a no. while fighting whatever al-qaeda in somalia it's like it, what the fuck are you doing in somalia yeah guess what our freedoms aren't there <laughs> you know and she knows that right but again she endorsed joe biden pulled out of the race and gave him a wholehearted you know, endorsement, I'm sure she's been promised something or still wants to play ball in the establishment at some point. So you got to do certain shit. But that's, again, she's not to be trusted. Well, she has everything, too. Plus, she's seen combat. She's been a vet, too. So yep. you can trust this person because yeah. they know. Right. And we're heading into the age of Aquarius. People want those female, strong female leaders. So this is, uh, I mean, I'm sure, I, I would bet everything that she'll be president in my, in our lifetime for sure. Yeah. She's young. She's yeah. got plenty of time. She could run for president in 40 years and be <laughs> younger than Joe Biden is right now. So bro, you and I took a field trip last week. Yes, sir. Wasn't that great? Thank you. Yeah. For that Dude, invite. Cause that's the kidding? first time I've ever seen Ron Paul speak. It was great. It was the second for me. And definitely the best. I got to tell him that he was my hero and got a picture taken with him. Didn't waste much of his time. Uh, a lot of people were trying to shake his hand and say what's up, but man, that was a say, great day. 
It was a great day. He was great. And I mean, in my opinion, man, Thomas Massey just crushed it. I'll tell you what. Yeah. We didn't even know all that, that guest list was going to be so loaded until like right before we went. Yeah. But yeah. We had Ron Paul, Thomas Massey, Jeff Deist, Gerald Salente, um, Judge Napolitano. Judge Nap, man, crushing it. And Gerald Salente, I got to say, man, for those of you guys who know him, he's awesome. He's from the Trends Journal. This guy gave a passionate speech with his New York fiery accent that Bill de Blasio such a fucking asshole. <laughs> but at least an asshole has a function. I love that guy, man. He just crushed it. And then he would get emotional. He got yeah. emotional. That guy knows how to give a speech. Oh, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, dropping, man. Dropping event 201 knowledge on that crowd. Yeah. That was pretty great. I like that. Um, yeah, man. These people, you know, you don't always picture them in the same room or on the same page about everything. But yeah, all roads point to that. And quite a few people that day would say things that started with, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and this is encouraging, man, because, yeah, again, we are at this place that I think is very dark. And again, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for, for 9-11. And I'm sure even things before that, but that was the major acceleration of this uh, in our lifetime. Yeah. It was so, a yeah. white pill day for me, though. Yeah. Just to hear that many great people talk about that and see the people that were there agreeing with it. Um, I think it's more than we might think because people are afraid to voice their opinion, you know, for being demonized, but they're out there, man. You know, what was awesome today. I saw on the news that, um, a judge revoked that vaccine mandate for healthcare workers in New York. Wow. And, you know, they said, it, he said it was on the grounds of religious discrimination, but I think it came so quickly because at the same time, I don't know if you heard, but, uh, there's hospitals in New York that had to stop delivering babies because so many healthcare workers at the hospital had left because of the vaccine yeah. mandates. So they can't, they can't say that that's okay. They have to find a reason, maybe a religion reason or something of the sort to block it. But either way, it's been blocked, you know? So there's enough wow. people walking out. I am encouraged by that, man. And yeah, I'm seeing more and more people wake up and you know, even people that got two jabs and are pissed about it because they still have to wear masks and stuff, they're like, wait a second. Wait yeah. just a minute. That once is, they put that, that once they put that third one out, you're not fully vaxxed until you've had all three. Right. Dude, again, man, how do we get to this point? Every federal employee in America and every person who works for a company with more than a hundred people has to get the jab. That's what they're trying to do. 9-11, fast forward 20 years, the president is mandating that two-thirds of the American workforce get inoculated. What the French, Toast? But he can't do that. He can't do that. He knows that's why he has to use, that's why they go through their, their, their arms, like, <laughs> ugh, with OSHA and, and whatever else he's going to use, like, make them do it. Come up with an arbitrary rule through that. Everybody hates OSHA. It. Awful. It's the Awful. worst. They really are. And they have so much power. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the enforcement arm. Yeah. Good luck, up. man. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think enough people are going to comply. I'm going to have faith in that. I think it's not going to happen. That would be great. That would be There's great. There's 80 million people left. 
And these these aren't 80 million Americans that feel like indifferent about it. It's you know, that's who's left after all this time. So these are 80 million people that don't want that thing. Yeah, so go ahead and try he's to getting take, impatient. <laughs> he's getting yeah, he's getting impatient. Try to take 80 million people out of the workforce. So did 9-11 kick this whole thing off? <laughs> Bro, 9-11 kicked this whole thing off. The <laughs> whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what changed, man, was just just the nonsense since then. That was the beginning of upside down world to me, I think. Yeah. Because right away, like everybody knew Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with it. And Iraq wasn't involved when we went in. And I think, you know, that was the beginning where you could just tell a blatant lie and get away with it. The amount of, you know, the amount of balls that takes to just tell an obvious lie and rope the whole country into it. And then I think that they found out that they could get away with that. Yep. Just take, imagine a kid who's 25 years old right now, an adult who's 25 years old. They don't, they don't know what it was like in the great before. So they're only familiar with an America that has been obsessed with security, you know, and, and like liberties waning safety security is, you know, rising continuously. Um, and compound that with a culture that's obsessed with germs and staying clean and sterile and like it's no wonder in the grand scheme of things it only took 20 years to turn the terror fear inward right you know? and they started that right away with the tsa yeah like making everyone feel like a terrorist yeah. look to the guy to the left look to the guy to the right yeah you know when you go to the airport see one is he one mm-hmm. and that's exactly the mentality now if you see something say something right right yeah. right American Taliban, right? What's the difference between a redneck, you know, and an ISIS member? I've seen like these memes. They're like, oh, basically the same thing. (laughs) What? That guy's got a rifle. That guy's got a rifle. That guy's got a holy book. That guy's got a holy book. Same thing. You know what I mean? Extremists. This is not a hard stretch. It's not a stretch. Americans are like just ripe for that. Point point me to the terrorist. That's like been trained. And there are, yeah, if you see a pickup truck with an American flag on it, you got to wonder if they're an extremist. Oh, yeah. That's where we're at 20 years after 9-11. So, oh my goodness. Did the terrorists win? You know, whoever they are, bro. <laughs> did they win? Did they hate us for our freedom so much? That's why they took, all, took them all away? Oh my goodness. Do, are we safer? Are we safe yet? You know, trillions Fuck. spent, blood, treasure, potential, wasted. I've seen so many interviews of soldiers that were over there, too, that, you know, joined after we were attacked for that reason. That have said things like, well, you know, I haven't heard anybody say 9-11 in years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, not told what the object- objective is, you know. Yeah. You're just there. You're just an occupier. Oh, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I feel bad for the soldiers who signed up, man. I know lots of guys who signed up right after 9-11 and dedicated time and energy to this. In fact, some of the, two of the guys in the Mises caucus I'm gotten pretty tight with, uh, they both served 
and uh, one of them just threw a pool party on 9-11. <laughs> and, I, and I felt a little weird about it. But I was like, you know what? No, man. I was like, that's how you let the terrorists know that they don't that they didn't win, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, pool parties. Pool parties. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to mourn on 9-11 anymore. Any more than I would mourn for like Pearl Harbor. You know what I mean? This is, a, this is like a historical event at this point. So if I'm harping on it, it's because I think the historical significance is key to uh, a better future. And there's been a decline since then, all, all around of the human experience. Yeah, I'd say. Right? <laughs> Especially uh, as of late. Yeah. This, this distrust of the other has been curated over 20 years. It's, uh, and like you said, after, you know, scaring everybody to death after 9-11, uh, it's the same thing now. Like, if they let enough time go by, even with this virus, there's a lot of people walking around on the street that think we are in the middle of a raging, deadly pandemic right now. Right. And in 10 years, somebody who wasn't alive during this will just hear the legends. Right. And they'll do anything to avoid it. Alex Jones called this one, man, years ago. Watch out for the deadly pandemic. They're going to use that as a thing. Probably 2007, 2008, he was talking about that. Alex Jones was right. Fucking 9-11. It's a black hole. You, it's not, you it's dove not in that black hole a lot deeper than I ever did. Look... Yeah, I'd like to put it to bed. At least, like a two. That's kind of why I just wanted to talk about it today, man. I just it just, sucks, uh, man. The 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 book has been written. Yeah, the commission report has been dropped. It's dropped. That, I, that I was can't like refute the period. that. Yeah, the winners write the history books. Um, but I'm still bitter. Fuck George Bush. Fuck Dick Cheney. Fuck the uh, the New World Order that you wrote in on and the project for the New American Century. Is Dick Cheney still alive? Yeah, dude, can you fucking believe that? No. He just he keeps on kicking and he's got legacy people behind him chasing his dynasty. His kids suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his daughter sucks. Oh my god. Keeping that neocon legacy alive. Let me just get, I'm going to put you on the record. Do you think uh the planes brought down the towers or was there anything extra in there? Any any explosives in there? Holograms, what do you think? <laughs> Dude, I'm not an engineer. I have, I, I don't know, dude. It looked a little suspicious. One thing that I'll talk to you about this later. One thing I don't understand is the one that didn't get hit. Building seven, a 47 story office building hundreds of feet away, burns controllably over a few floors and suffers structural damage to its south face before collapsing completely to the ground at near free fall speed. All this time, I'm hearing all types of explosions. And the firefighter that took us down kept saying, do not look down. Although the collapse Building 7 was clearly a phenomenon and further investigation was needed, the building steel was removed from the site and destroyed. Building 7. That's a bit of a mystery. Yeah. Was there any official explanation of that? NIST or did they just did ignore an investigation that altogether? and said office fires brought down Building 7. Right after Larry Silverstein it. said, pull it. <laughs> so... Here's what I believe happened that day, regardless of who you believe is behind this, that this was a psychological operation to get to to pull America into a quagmire, 
which looks like 20 years later, they definitely succeeded at doing that, right? We spent ourselves into an, into oblivion. Oh, they did it. If that was their goal, they did it. They did it. And to get everybody on board, they had to get everybody emotionally involved. So that's why I think that they used two planes so that the first one hit, right? Mm-hmm. And then every camera in the world was pointed at the at the tor- at the trade towers. Oh. So at the second one, everybody got to participate in the event. I think that that was the goal. Get everybody looking at the television so that they are a part of the sacrifice. And then you can exploit that fear uh, for the years to come. So, yeah, if you can find me any other building, skyscraper in the history of, of the world that came down like those two buildings did within an hour uh, apart from each other, I would love to see that. Why can't I see video from the Pentagon? That's a weird one because it's the Pentagon. It's the Pentagon. 9.37 a.m., Arlington, Virginia. American Airlines Flight 77 crashes into the Pentagon. An amateur pilot who was unable to control a Cessna in August 2001 executed this nearly impossible maneuver in a 757 with skilled precision a month later. To date, we have not seen a single piece positively identified as Flight 77s. That you should be able to see the whole thing. And if their game is fear, which it is, they'd have, there's, they want to show you. They would want to show you that. Go look at You know Shanks, what was though. weird to me? Well, What's yeah, that? that's the weird one I thought at the time. That's the one that made me kind of question because it was just a hole there. Just a hole. And we'd seen, you know, footage of airliner wreckage in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a wreck. There's yeah. bits of plane everywhere. That was just and a dirt can... hole. 10.03 a.m. Shanksville, Pennsylvania. United Airlines Flight 93 allegedly crashes into an abandoned strip mine at 580 miles per hour. Any large pieces of debris at all? No, there was nothing, nothing that you could distinguish that a plane had crashed there. There is zero historical precedent for a large commercial airplane and its passengers completely disintegrating upon impact, regardless of speed, cause, or crash site. The Secretary of Transportation was told to stand down. Why? When Vice President Dick Cheney was aware of an incoming aircraft up to 50 miles away, were employees allowed to remain in the building, had a single alarm gone off inside the Pentagon, 125 people would be alive today, and hundreds more would not be suffering. And when it got down to the plane is 10 miles out, the young man also said to the vice president, do the orders still stand? And uh, the vice president turned and whipped his neck around and said, of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Norman Mineta's testimony would be completely unreported by the 9-11 Commission. It would also be censored from the online archives of commission hearings. A spokesperson from the National Archive claimed that it was a technical snafu. The 9-11 Commission will later conclude that Vice President Dick Cheney did not reach the bunker until 9.58. George H.W. Bush was having breakfast the morning of 9-11 on behalf of the Carlyle Group with members of the Bin Laden family. Fuck you. These, these two families are close. And wasn't the only people allowed to fly after that on that day was them going back to Saudi Arabia? If Boom. I'm not mistaken. Let's get these people out here nice and safe. 
right? No one was flying out of the United States except the Bin Laden family. This is fucking crazy. So um, they lied. They lied us into war. And um, that's how we spend our, our, our time and our energy and our resources in America is fighting banker wars for the military industrial complex and its allies in defense to make them rich and brave kids sign up to do it because they don't have any opportunity because all of our wealth is spent on the war machine and there's nowhere else to go. And they are promised adventure and education and they are sent to a meat grinder instead. Oh, evil is never, never flinching. So <laughs> we can't really take a day off either. Can we Perel? It's a fucking depressing episode, bro. I know. I told you guys <laughs> you were in for it. You're fucked. Episode 13 is your unlucky day. And I do appreciate you, man. And uh, yo, real quick, we'll end on a little white pill. The week after our adventure in D.C., you're running through D.C. and ran into Scotty Horton, didn't you? Dude, yeah. He's the man. I, I really, it was almost like stumbling across this end the damn wars rally, which was happening near the Capitol. I found out about it about 20, more, 20 minutes, maybe, before it started cruise down there and uh yeah it was awesome got to watch him speak got my photo with him great guy yeah man and, we uh, owe him and a lot just a he's just a genius he is and you know he probably disagrees with a lot of my stances on 9-11 but if you want to know what happened after 9-11 factually go listen to scott horton yeah right. and he followed us both on twitter so that's pretty <laughs> yeah. great right after that a good day and it was pretty, yeah, that's pretty decent two weekends in a row man so uh, you guys should do the same. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Teespring, YouTube, Odyssey. We will be back next week with something less depressing. Now that the smoke's gone And the air is all clear We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. This crusade, this war on terrorism, uh, is going to take a while. He came, he saw, he died. <laughs> we tortured some folks. All right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is episode 13 of Dave versus Goliath. And boy, oh boy, is it your unlucky day. But before we get to that, some sponsors. 
First up, we have Anthem Planning. Anthem Planning is dedicated to helping growing businesses become more efficient in every way. From helping you manage your inventory or fleet to completely revamping IT systems or HR procedures, Anthem is ready to guide you through the process. If you find yourself wondering where to take your business next or how to solve a problem that's been costing you money, Anthem is here to help. Next up, RyanBunting.com. Ryan Bunting is a quality human being, a tremendous graphic designer and author. Please purchase his book, Project Manticore, on Amazon.com. Support him in any way you can. Please support this show by going to Dave versus Goliath on teespring.com and purchase our hoodies, t-shirts, fanny packs, and goodies. And lastly, go to wheeliespharmacy.com. That's wheelies, W-H-E-E-L-Y-S-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y.com for incredible CBD products, tinctures, capsules, lotions, and teas uh, for all kinds of ailments from chronic pain, depression, anxiety, uh, sleep issues, and more. All right. Guys, today, I think it's appropriate we spend some time talking about 9-11, which I get is not everybody's favorite subject. I have spent a considerable amount of time talking about this in my life and a little bit on this show. Uh, and we just passed the 20-year mark on uh, on the event. So we are going to spend some time... Uh, letting this out. I need to talk about it. I feel like maybe I should be over this. Maybe I should have processed it by now, but here we are. But I couldn't do it by myself. So as per usual, I have got with me my main man, Dan. Dan, what's happening, bro? Oh man, good to see you. Good to see you too, bro. Um, Yeah, without you here, I would just be a morose motherfucker sinking into my own black pilledness so i yeah, appreciate you mad, you. bro <laughs> yeah i'm mad i'm an angry white male i've been fucking pissed for 20 years they stole my youth i'm 40 years old this was i was 20 when this happened and i'm still fucking pissed about it yes i remember you trying to shake me 20 years ago you know bro look what they did you know <laughs> yeah look what they've done we've got to do something uh yeah, yeah man and you know 20 years in, I got to say, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm about ready. I, I put it on Twitter. I, it was a picture of Forrest Gump at the end of his like cross-country trek where he's just like, you know, I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It was basically like, yeah, um, I've been talking about this for 20 years. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm ready to stop talking about 9-11 now. But today will be some closure. But oh, one more day. <laughs> One more day. And, you know, I don't need to bother you with the minutia of the details. We don't need to talk about the $2.3 trillion that Rumsfeld mentioned the day before the poof who didn't In the aftermath of that, what, what do we get? We got the TSA. We got the, the formation of the Department of Homeland Security and all kinds of draconian laws that they just couldn't wait to put into place and just needed the proper impetus well, for the AUMF three days later. Right. Which is responsible for all this mess. What was it? 19 countries since then? Right. This was the declaration that they basically said they gave George Bush the power, right? Correct. To do, to do whatever he needed in the name of national security if he thought that it was connected to the events of 9-11. Connected. 
right. which was the the key phrase I think in there. So it was those held responsible or anyone else that we think might have been in any way, shape, or form anywhere in the world. There was only right. one one uh, house member. That's it, Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee. I yeah. don't know if you remember that one. It was like four hundred and twenty some to one. It passed unanimously through the Senate. Um, she's still around. She's still a representative from from California. Really? Yeah. Amazing. And I wonder what was behind that because I'd see her pop up every once in a while. And she's, I mean, she's woke as fuck. She's pretty terrible on just about everything. So, <laughs> um, you know, which is a shame because yeah. I figured that person, you know, yeah, would have some kind of moral compass on most oh. things. But um, yeah, I wonder what that was about. Well, that's another travesty of this whole thing was the destruction of the anti-war left. It's because, I mean, that's when I was coming up, that was George Bush was the enemy. So the right wing was the enemy. So anything good was coming out of the left up mm-hmm. until Ron Paul, Dennis Kucinich or Ralph Nader, any anti-war voice was coming out of the left at that point. Um, Cynthia McKinney, who's, who's really great. The question was, we had four war games going on on September 11th, and the question that I tried to pose before the uh, secretary had to go to lunch was um, whether or not the activities of the four war games going on on September 11th actually impaired our ability to, to respond to the attacks. The answer to the question is no, did not impair our response. In fact, uh, General Eberhardt, who was in the commander of North American Aerospace Defense Command, as he testified in front of the 9-11 Commission, I believe, I believe he told them that it enhanced our ability to respond. There were two CPXs. There was one Department of Justice exercise that didn't have anything to do with the, the other three. And there was an actual operation ongoing because there was some Russian bomber activity up near Alaska. So... Did the war games ultimately help or hinder our response? September 11th was day two of Vigilant Guardian, an exercise staged by the Joint Chiefs and NORAD, which simulated hijacked planes in the northeastern United States. Vigilant Guardian is a branch of Global Guardian, a mass Armageddon exercise being conducted at Offutt Air Force Base in cooperation with NORAD. Originally scheduled to take place in late October, Global Guardian was moved to September. The exercise is reportedly canceled after the second Twin Tower is hit. Three E-4B Doomsday planes remain airborne. Two government sources familiar with the incident tell CNN it was a military aircraft and say the details are classified. This comparison of the CNN video and an official Air Force photo suggests the mystery plane is among the military's most sensitive aircraft, an Air Force E-4B. The E-4B is a state-of-the-art flying command post, built and equipped for one reason, to keep the government running no matter what, even in the event of a nuclear war. Asked the Pentagon, and it insists this is not a military aircraft, and there is no mention of it in the official report of the 9-11 Commission. The Pentagon, the Secret Service, and the FAA all say they, at least for public consumption, have no explanation of the giant plane over the president's house, just as the smoke began to rise across the river at the Pentagon. There's an emergency, and then the state capitalizes on the emergency and the panic and the fear and the in the immediate aftermath to do what they need to do. We can't talk about this. There's no time for debate. You have to pass the X, Y, and Z. It sounds a lot like something that's happening right now. 
Right. We need $6 trillion right now. We can't talk about why or where it's going to. You just got to trust us. <laughs> we need this money. It's always a, a massive expansion of the surveillance state, too. I mean, but the before time and the after time, speaking about 9-11, or 9/11 is, um, I mean, surveillance, cameras. I mean, I know that technology was coming out, but they were everywhere after that. You know, right. you were watched everywhere you went after that. And now it's kind of the same thing. I feel like with COVID too, it's like, that's not enough. So now they want passports. Now they want yeah. tracking devices on your phone. So it's always an expansion of, you know, the spying apparatus. Totally, man. And, you know, if anybody, I, I know I'm not alone in this, but this, what we're experiencing now is a continuation of the new world order, which is always changing every 10 to 20 years. But you could not have what we have right now if they didn't lay the groundwork with 9-11, if they didn't spend that money initially, get all that military surplus, right, to build this domestic army. That is, all this military equipment that just got passed on to local sheriff's departments. Now they paint it black, and now they got your local police force has a tank. And the Taliban. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and now look, as it's, as it's 20 years later been turned inward just as everybody in 2005 2006 who was awake to this knew would one day happen you know what man i don't like to use words like love and hate i don't i don't throw those around but i fucking hate george bush so much so much in my heart i gotta let it out so this is that's Mm -hmm. that's what this show is about today this is cathartic i fucking hate george bush i hate what he's done to this country i hate how he can get on a screen and lie to people 20 years later like this i'm not saying like bush did 9-11 but at the end of the day the bush regime is responsible for every single thing that happened on the day of and like scott horton recently said man set this whole millennium on the wrong foot the whole thing so fuck george bush fuck him fuck his whole lineage fuck barbara fuck hw and his whole family. And he gets up on TV and has the balls, dude. As a nation, our adjustments have been profound. Many Americans struggled to understand why an enemy would hate us with such zeal. The security measures incorporated into our lives are both sources of comfort and reminders of our vulnerability. And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit and it is our continuing duty to confront them. It's here and abroad, and we got to watch it wherever it is. Like, you son of a bitch, you set this into motion. You sent the bravest men and women that we have off to fight a banker's war. Fuck you. Oh, I feel better. Already I feel good. Hallelujah. Woo! <laughs> Damn. Seriously. Yeah, I haven't heard that guy speak in a long time. And it was like it was it was like he would have said that 20 years ago. There was nothing different about it. No. Oh, on some axis of evil shit. 
just is there it was that for the was that for the boomers who still want to hear that from him are there I, any left dude i see <laughs> there definitely is because i see and i don't think like neocon culture is thriving but you know people I've seen on Twitter, they'll, they'll see him like give a speech like that. And they'll be like, man, remember when like the office had dignity? <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, it was on his watch. Like he, fa- and again, we don't need to have conspiracy theory hour here. On his watch, America was attacked. The terrorists, whoever they were, were successful on his watch and Dick Cheney's watch. And he fucked up. He has one job. Protect the American people. Uphold the Constitution. You fucked up royally both times. And who was fired? Okay. I'm not even talking about for criminal right? um, uh, participation. Just cri- just negligence. How about that? But yeah. we're not going to. Well, like him. Scott Horton says, too, for those of you who think that Dick Cheney did it, he might as well have. He might as well have. That's what I'm saying. Again, yes, the actions taken by Dick Cheney are just so disgusting so yeah it's it's barely even worth debating oh i wonder if he had knowledge i wonder if he didn't because yeah what like what's what would be the difference in the outcome right probably not a whole lot shit man i really do hate these people and I, again i don't throw that around but if you ruin like a a century kickoff you know things were pretty great in 1999 2000 not to sound ignorant, because I know that we were ignorant to some things that were really happening, you know, Clinton's presidency and whatnot. But it was it was Bush, man. It was those guys who just really took the timeline and skewed it into this alternate existence, probably forever. And nobody since then had the balls to do anything about it. None of the other administrations. No. And I thought, you know, dude, I'm just, I'm a work in progress. I thought, you know, maybe Barack Obama come, coming in, in 2007 yeah. i was like wow I, I can't i can't imagine that they would let a black man be president this guy might be at an actual threat to the establishment and, and he ran on he ran on closing guantanamo close guantanamo which at the time i thought was right. great right he started the kind of like you know like lock her up thing except it was with like bush like he was feeding <laughs> into that a little bit like i'm gonna bring you guys some justice that's how they do it and then you bring in Citibank and hire all those guys to fill your cabinet yeah, it was supposed to end, wasn't it? Uh, when was he in? There was something, was it like 2014 or something like that? It was supposed to be, we're getting out of there. It was supposed to be like a surge on a time crunch, if you remember that. I think it was like yeah. 12 months or something like that. Big surge, going to be gone by the end of the year. Um, I think we surged, but then didn't unsurge, right? Oh, yeah. So you send in 30,000 people and just kind of like leave them there and yeah, let them meander around. <laughs> It's lies on based on top of lies on top of lies on top of lies. People have asked me like since Afghanistan wars like coming to a close, like what do you think about that? And like I don't even care to like make a guess, like because it's it's just so many decades of lies. So like how I don't know. I really don't know. I'd you know, I'd, I'd make more <laughs> clear guesses about what happened on nine eleven. Than, than what's actually going down in Afghanistan. I have no fucking clue what's going down in Afghanistan. And I think that they're, you know, they have this emergency power to use, what is it? Authorized emergency military force, whatever the AUMF was. And at the exact same time as withdrawing troops and ending the war in Afghanistan, 
we have to talk about domestic terrorism and bringing it in abroad because that's that's an emergency. Right. You know what I mean? They're never going to let it go. No, they are. And you know what? And just keeping up with the trend of disappointment, Tulsi Gabbard just put out an awful tweet. It was uh, it was on. Did it. you see it yes. on nine eleven? Let us not forget. I'm not going to try and paraphrase, but. She basically was like, don't forget why we had a 9-11, because of this awful Islamic ideology that can just, you know, radicalize and all this bullshit. It was, again, it was like, who fucking wrote, did Dick Cheney write this? Right. What is this? Again, this is how the cathedral operates, and this is Tulsi Gabbard, and I hate to, like, think this, but she is, like, a rebranding for the war machine. So she's very careful with her words. She's not like, she's right. not Scott Horton. She's not anti-intervention. She's not anti-war. She's anti-regime change wars or anti-stupid wars. Like, I don't want to fight, you know, I want to be tacti- like, tactical and smart how I murder people around, around the world. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not the same thing. She yeah. just put out something. Well, that's like, what she said. I was, sorry, I was gone for a no. while fighting whatever al-qaeda in somalia it's like what the fuck are you doing in somalia yeah guess what our freedoms aren't there <laughs> you know and she knows that right but again she endorsed joe biden pulled out of the race and gave him a wholehearted you know endorsement i'm sure she's been promised something or still wants to play ball in the establishment at some point so you got to do certain shit but that's again she's not to be trusted kind well, of. she has everything too plus she's seen combat she's been a vet too so Yep. You can trust this person because yeah. they know. Right. And we're heading into the age of Aquarius. People want those female, strong female leaders. So this is, uh, I mean, I'm sure, I, I would bet everything that she'll be president in, my, in our lifetime. For sure. Yeah, she's young. She's yeah. got plenty of time. She could run for president in 40 years <laughs> and be younger than Joe Biden is right now. So, bro, you and I took a field trip last week. Yes, sir. Wasn't that great? Thank you. Yeah, for that Dude, invite. Because that's the kidding? first time I've ever seen Ron Paul speak. It was great. It was the second for me and definitely the best. I got to tell him that he was my hero and got a picture taken with him. Didn't waste much of his time. Uh, a lot of people were trying to shake his hand and say what's up, but man, that was a say, great day. It was a great day. He was great. And I mean, in my opinion, man, Thomas Massey just crushed it. I'll tell you what. Yeah, we didn't even know all that that guest list was going to be so loaded until like right before we went. Yeah. But yeah, we had Ron Paul, Thomas Massey, Jeff Deist, Gerald Salente. Um, Judge Napolitano. Judge Nat, man, crushing it. And Gerald Salente, I got to say, man, for those of you guys who know him, he's awesome. He's from the Trends Journal. This guy gave a passionate speech with his New York fiery accent that Bill de Blasio such a fucking asshole. <laughs> but at least an asshole has a function. I love that guy, man. He just crushed it. And then he would get emotional. He got yeah. emotional. That guy knows how to give a speech. Oh, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, dropping, man. Dropping <laughs> Event 201 knowledge on that crowd. Yeah. That was pretty great. I like that. Um. Yeah, man, these people, you know, you don't always picture them in the same room or on the same page about everything, but yeah, all roads point to that. And quite a few people that day would say things that started with, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but yep. you know what I yep. mean? Um, 
And this is encouraging, man, because yeah, again, we are at this place that I think is very dark. And again, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for, for 9-11. And I'm sure even things before that, but that was the major acceleration of this uh, in our lifetime. Yeah. It was so, a white yeah. pill day for me, though. Yeah. Just to hear that many great people talk about that and see the people that were there agreeing with it. Um, I think it's more than we might think because people are afraid to voice their opinion, you know, for being demonized, but they're out there, man. You know, what was awesome today. I saw on the news that um, a judge revoked that vaccine mandate for healthcare workers in New York. Wow. And, you know, they said, he said it was on the grounds of religious discrimination, but I think it came so quickly because at the same time, I don't know if you heard, but uh, there's hospitals in New York that had to stop delivering babies because so many healthcare workers at the hospital had left because of the vaccine yeah. mandates. So they can't, they can't say that that's okay. They have to find a reason, maybe a religion reason or something of the sort to block it. But either way, it's been blocked, you know? So there's enough wow. people walking out. I am encouraged by that, man. And yeah, I'm seeing more and more people wake up and, you know, even people that got two jabs and are pissed about it because they still have to wear masks and stuff. They're like, wait a second, wait yeah. just a minute. That once is, they put that, that once they put that third one out, you're not fully vaxxed until you've had all three. Right. Dude, again, man, how do we get to this point? Every federal employee in America and every person who works for a company with more than 100 people has to get the jab. That's what they're trying to do. 9-11, fast forward 20 years, the president is mandating that two-thirds of the American workforce get inoculated. What the French, Toast? But he can't do that. He can't do that. He knows that's why he has to use. That's why they go through their, their, their arms, like ugh, with OSHA and, and whatever else he's going to use. Like make them do it. Come up with an arbitrary rule through that. Everybody hates OSHA. It. Awful. It's the Awful. worst. They really are, and they have so much power. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the enforcement arm. Yeah, good luck, man. I don't. I you know. I, I don't know. I don't think enough people are going to comply. I'm going to have faith in that. I think it's not going to happen. That would be great. That would be There's great. There's 80 million people left. And these these aren't 80 million Americans that feel like indifferent about it. It's, you know, that's who's left after all this time. So these are 80 million people that don't want that thing. Yeah, so go ahead and try he's to He's getting take, impatient. <laughs> he's getting, yeah, he's getting impatient. Try to take 80 million people out of the workforce. So did 9-11 kick this whole thing off? <laughs> Bro, 9-11 kicked this whole thing off. The <laughs> whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what changed, man, was just, just the nonsense since then. That was the beginning of Upside Down World to me, I think. Yeah. Because right away, like everybody knew Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with it. And Iraq wasn't involved when we went in. And I think... You know, that was the beginning where you could just tell a blatant lie and get away with it. The amount of, you know, the amount of balls that takes to just tell an obvious lie and rope the whole country into it. And then I think that they found out that they could get away with that. Yep. Just take, imagine a kid who's 25 years old right now, uh, an adult who's 25 years old. They don't, they don't know 
what it was like in the great before. So they're only familiar with an America that has been obsessed with security, you know, and, and like liberty is waning. Safety security is, you know, rising continuously. Um, and compound that with a culture that's obsessed with germs and staying clean and sterile and like, it's no wonder. In the grand scheme of things, it only took 20 years to turn the terror fear inward. Right. You know? And they started that right away with the TSA. Yeah. Like making everyone feel like a terrorist. Yeah. Look to the guy to the left. Look to the guy to the right. Yep. You know, when you go to the airport, is he one? Is he one? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the mentality now. If you see something, say something. Right, right. Yeah. Right. American Taliban. Right. What's the difference between a redneck? <laughs> You know, an ISIS member, I've seen like these memes, they're like, oh, basically the same thing. (laughs) What? That guy's got a rifle. That guy's got a rifle. That guy's got a holy book. That guy's got a holy book. Same thing. You know what I mean? Extremists. This is not a hard stretch. It's not a stretch. Americans are like just ripe for that. Point point me to the terrorist. That's like been trained. And there are, yeah. If you see a pickup truck with an American flag on it, you got to wonder if they're an extremist. Oh, yeah. That's where we're at 20 years after 9-11. So, oh my goodness. Did the terrorists win? You know, whoever they are, Bro. <laughs> did they win? Did they hate us for our freedom so much? That's why they took, all, took them all away? Oh my goodness. Do, are we safer? Are we safe yet? You know, trillions Fuck. spent, blood, treasure, potential, wasted. I've seen so many interviews of soldiers that were over there, too, that, you know, joined after we were attacked for that reason. That have said things like, well, you know, I haven't heard anybody say 9-11 in years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, not told what the object- objective is, you know. Yeah. You're just there. You're just an occupier. Oh, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I feel bad for the soldiers who signed up, man. I know lots of guys who signed up right after 9-11 and dedicated time and energy to this. In fact, some of the, two of the guys in the Mises caucus I'm gotten pretty tight with, uh, they both served and, uh, one of them just threw a pool party on (laughs) 9-11 And I and I felt a little weird about it, but I was like, you know what? No, man. I was like, that's how you let the terrorists know that they don't that they didn't win, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, pool parties. It's pool parties. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to mourn on 9/11 anymore, any more than I would mourn for like Pearl Harbor. You know what I mean? This is a, this is like a historical event at this point. So if I'm harping on it, it's because I think the historical significance is key to uh, a better future. And there's been a decline since then, all, all around the human experience. Yeah, I'd say. Right? <laughs> Especially uh, as of late. Yeah. This, this distrust of the other has been curated over 20 years. It's, uh, and like you said, after, you know, scaring everybody to death after 9-11, uh, it's the same thing now. Like, if they let enough time go by, even with this virus, there's a lot of people walking around on the street that think we are in the middle of a raging, deadly pandemic right now. 
Right. And in 10 years, somebody who wasn't alive during this will just hear the legends. And they'll do anything to avoid it. Alex Jones called this one, man, years ago. <laughs> Watch out for the deadly pandemic. They're going to use that as a thing. Probably 2007, 2008, he was talking about that. Alex Jones was right. Fucking 9-11. It's a black hole. You, it's not, you it's dove not in that black hole a lot deeper than I ever did. Look... Yeah, I'd like to put it to bed. At least like a two. That's kind of why I just wanted to talk about it today, man. I just it just, sucks, man. The 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 book has been written. Yeah, the commission report has been dropped. It's dropped. That, I, that I can't like refute that. Yeah, the winners write the history books. Um, but I'm still bitter. Fuck George Bush. Fuck Dick Cheney. Fuck the uh, the new world order that you wrote in on and the project for the new American century. Is Dick Cheney still alive? Yeah, dude, can you fucking believe that? No. He just he keeps on kicking, and he's got legacy people behind him chasing his dynasty. His kids suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his daughter sucks. Oh, my God. Keeping that neocon legacy alive. Let me just get, I'm going to put you on the record. Do you think uh, the planes brought down the towers, or was there anything extra in there? Any, any explosives in there? Holograms? What do you think? <laughs> dude, I'm not an engineer. I have... I I don't know, dude. It looked a little suspicious. One thing that... I'll talk to you about this later. One thing I don't understand is the one that didn't get hit. Building 7, a 47-story office building hundreds of feet away, burns controllably over a few floors and suffers structural damage to its south face before collapsing completely to the ground at near free fall speed. All this time... I'm hearing all types of explosions. And the firefighter that took us down kept saying, do not look down. Although the collapse Building 7 was clearly a phenomenon and further investigation was needed, the building steel was removed from the site and destroyed. Building 7. That's a bit of a mystery. Yeah. Was there any official explanation of that? NIST or did they just did an investigation that and said office fires brought down Building 7. Right after Larry Silverstein it. said, pull it. <laughs> So, here's what I believe happened that day, regardless of who you believe is behind this, that this was a psychological operation to, get, to, to pull America into a quagmire, which looks like 20 years later, they definitely succeeded at doing that, right? We spent ourselves into, an, into oblivion. Well, they did it. If that was their goal, they did it. They did it. And to get everybody on board, they had to get everybody emotionally involved so that's why i think that they used two planes so that the first one hit right mm -hmm. and then every camera in the world was pointed at the at the tour at the trade towers oh so at the second one everybody got to participate in the event i think that that was the goal get everybody looking at the television so that they are a part of the sacrifice and then you can exploit that fear uh for the years to come so, yeah, if you can find me any other building, skyscraper in the history of, of the world that came down like those two buildings did within an hour uh, apart from each other, I would love to see that. Why can't I see video from the Pentagon? That's a weird one because it's the Pentagon. It's the Pentagon. 9.37 a.m., Arlington, Virginia. American Airlines Flight 77 crashes into the Pentagon. 
an amateur pilot who was unable to control a Cessna in August 2001, executed this nearly impossible maneuver in a 757 with skilled precision a month later. To date, we have not seen a single piece positively identified as Flight 77s. You should be able to see the whole thing. And if their game is fear, which it is, they'd have, there's, they want to show you. They would want to show you that. Go look at You know what was weird to me? Well, What's yeah, that? that's the weird one I thought at the time. That's the one that made me kind of question because it was just a hole there. Just a hole. And we'd seen, you know, footage of airliner wreckage in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a wreck. There's yeah. bits of plane everywhere. That was just and a dirt can... hole. 10.03 a.m., Shanksville, Pennsylvania. United Airlines Flight 93 allegedly crashes into an abandoned strip mine at 580 miles per hour. Any large pieces of debris at all? No, there was nothing, nothing that you could distinguish that a plane had crashed there. There is zero historical precedent for a large commercial airplane and its passengers completely disintegrating upon impact, regardless of speed, cause, or crash site. The Secretary of Transportation was told to stand down. Why? When Vice President Dick Cheney was aware of an incoming aircraft up to 50 miles away, were employees allowed to remain in the building, had a single alarm gone off inside the Pentagon, 125 people would be alive today, and hundreds more would not be suffering. And when it got down to the plane is 10 miles out, the young man also said to the Vice President, do the orders still stand? And uh, the Vice President turned and whipped his neck around and said, of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Norman Mineta's testimony would be completely unreported by the 9-11 Commission. It would also be censored from the online archives of commission hearings. A spokesperson from the National Archive claimed that it was a technical snafu. The 9-11 Commission will later conclude that Vice President Dick Cheney did not reach the bunker until 9.58 uh, George H.W. Bush was having breakfast the morning of 9-11 on behalf of the Carlisle Group with members of the Bin Laden family. Fuck you. These, these two families are close. And wasn't the only people allowed to fly after that on that day was them going back to Saudi Arabia? If I'm Boom. Not mistaken? Let's get these people out here nice and safe. Right. No one was flying out of the United States except the Bin Laden family. This is fucking crazy. So um, they lied. They lied us into war. And um, that's how we spend our, our, our time and our energy and our resources in America is fighting banker wars for the military industrial complex and its allies in defense to make them rich and brave kids sign up to do it because they don't have any opportunity because all of our wealth is spent on the war machine and there's nowhere else to go. And they're promised adventure and education and they are sent to a meat grinder instead. Oh, evil is never, never flinching. So <laughs> we can't really take a day off either. Can we, Perel? It's a fucking depressing episode, bro. I know. I told you guys <laughs> you were in for it. You're fucked. Episode 13 is your unlucky day. And I do appreciate you, man. And uh, yo, real quick, we'll end on a little white pill. The week after our adventure in D.C., you're running through D.C. and ran into Scotty Horton, didn't you? 
dude, yeah, he's the man. I, I really, it was almost like stumbling across this end the damn wars rally, which was happening near the Capitol. I found out about it about 20 more, 20 minutes, maybe before it started cruise down there. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Got to watch him speak, got my photo with him. Great guy. Yeah, man. And, we uh, owe him and a lot. just a, he's just a genius. He is. And you know, he probably disagrees with a lot of my stances on 9-11. But if you want to know what happened after 9-11, factually, go listen to Scott Horton. Yeah. Right. And he followed us both on Twitter. So that's pretty <laughs> yeah. great. Right after that. A good day. And it was pretty, yeah, that's pretty decent. Two weekends in a row, man. So uh, you guys should do the same. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Teespring, YouTube, Odyssey. We will be back next week with something less depressing. Now that the smoke's gone.